you're walking around and you're seeing stairs and ledges and all this stuff that people just never pay attention to. And you feel like you have this secret. You feel like, oh, it's crazy that all these people are walking by this thing and they just don't care. But this is like my gold mine. Hello and welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm the host and creator, Aaron S, and for this week's episode, I had a conversation with the amazing Christopher McCurdy. Christopher is a photographer from North Carolina who shoots atmospheric and often cinematic images. Often quiet, eerie, and soaked in otherworldly green hues, his work captures spaces and places that are often overlooked or disregarded. Perfecto. So um, I'm just going to start where I start with everybody, which is just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Yeah. uh, Well, my name is Chris McCurdy. Uh, I live in South Carolina in the United States. Um, I don't know how I became an artist. I don't know. (laughs) I still don't really consider myself that. Um, But I guess it comes from watching skate videos, stuff like that, uh, at an early age, kind of understanding, like, oh, if I'm listening to a certain song or what have you, all of a sudden the images I'm seeing look different, you know, and it's the same thing with your state of mind at the time, whatever. Uh, so I always like how, how can I explain it? Like, let's say you're feeling bad, right? Hmm. Uh And you're like, man, this doesn't benefit my life at all. I just feel terrible. But then you go create something and later on you can kind of see, you know, the differences in the work. So you start to look at certain states of mind, like mostly negative states of mind as, uh, oh, this is actually a tool rather than, you know, something that has to hold you down. Does that make sense? Hmm. So I I just, uh, I like that aspect of it. Um, I like being able, I, I, uh, just wanted to have something that allowed me, um, you know, if I'm not at work or just doing normal everyday life things, it's like something to strive for, something to, you know, the hobby aspect of it, like, oh, I want this lens or this or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, because that's interesting. I think it gives you some kind of sense of um, escapism, I guess, probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like uh, escaping, but like into what's actually happening, you know? But it still gives you a little bit of a shield to kind of to kind of see it. And it's like uh, something that allows you to experience the world, but still be that fly in the wall, sort of just a kind of observer, but you're still there, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's because you get to reframe the world how you see it. And also with mm-hmm. photography, particularly kind of like night images, especially, like it almost becomes otherworldly. So it's like you're creating images that are your perspective, but they're also kind of denote to something else. They're not just, oh, this is a uh, a parking lot or this is just like a house. It could be like the atmosphere or like the experience or the suggestion of something else. Yeah, no, I find that a lot of it, I don't know if it means anything at the time, but then looking back later, it's like, man, I'm lonely, man. I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of a way to discover my own feeling, even if they're just subconscious and not, you know, uh, 
um, not always deliberate. Well, that's actually a really interesting way to think about it in terms of like that your whack is very reflective of you as a person, even if you don't realize it is in the moment you're shooting it. And also like what you decide to shoot as well is very reflective yeah. of the person you are. Um, me and my wife, we just shot an event. Um, and it was funny. I was talking to my friend and I was saying, you know, I'm looking at all my images and I'm in this huge group of people, which is totally opposite from what I normally do. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, it's like everyone, like, I obviously know, okay, there's some good emotion over there. There's some joy. There's some whatever. Tell the story of this, you know, this event, this party. It's a festive atmosphere. And I was looking at my images and I was like, man, it still feels like even in the midst of this huge group of people, all extroverted, all outgoing, I still get this sense of like outside looking in if that makes sense, hmm. in my images. And when I looked at my wife's images, it felt like she was a part of the group. And I, I can't really explain it. It's just a subtle sort of thing. But I was laughing to my friend. I was like, you know, it's funny, no matter how hard you try, you know, I, I could take fisheye images of groups, everyone's happy, and it would still have a sense of you're just not quite connected to these people. And it's like... It, it was funny. I was saying, it's like, it's like, you really can't fake anything. Like, no matter how hard you try, whoever you are still comes out in the images. You know, I, it was the first time I kind of realized that it just made me laugh. It's just interesting. That's an interesting consideration, though, particularly when photography, especially, can be very deceptive, really to appear mm -hmm. to be. So that's actually quite an interesting consideration because I think, like at the minute, I'm really interested in people's personalities behind the work. I think, hence it's, you know, the whole podcast, I guess, but it's just like, it's always interesting to know who the person is, not just the images they make or the work they create, because it's like, there's a reason you're doing this. There's a reason you feel compelled to do this. And it's like, you may not know it yourself why, but there is some kind of ultimate goal. And uh, do you feel like you have a certain goal or a certain kind of uh, like reason for why you do it? You know, it's funny the I've been thinking about that lately. I mean, my goal is to be able to support myself through my art. Uh, you know, I, I work a retail job right now, and I just, well, I, I love it when I'm in the mood, you know? Mm. Oh, I work a retail job too. I know exactly how that feels. I know exactly how that feels. You know, I, I can be there and I'm in a great mood and I'm like, wow, I actually love having this job because I get exercise i get the people skills that i would not get if i weren't here mm. you know and everything's great and it balances with my uh more artistic lifestyle my hobbies and it kind of feels like it all meshes but then there's other times where it feels like they're totally at odds with each other and doing one hurts the other and then everything kind of sinks lower you know so i want to get to a point where i want to get to a point where you know I get to decide what I'm doing. It's all mm. my passion. It's it's not, you know, I got to call three managers and see when I can go to lunch and, you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, sounds like a, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. But, you know, I agree because you want to be able to, to do stuff on your own time. Because the thing is, particularly with being artistic, is like, particularly with retail work as well, like when you're inspired may not be the time 
you're able to do anything. Like you might be working a morning shift, but you want to go out on mornings and shoot, or you might want to shoot at night, but you're working night shifts. It's like, you have to go out and create when you're inspired. And I think sometimes working a part-time job or a full-time job doesn't allow you that flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm starting to experience, uh, I'm starting to have, you know, little milestones here and there of growth in my art, in the field I've chosen with photography. And it's really interesting because I'll, I'll feel so good about myself and so elated, so high for that night. And then I wake up and it's back to, oh, I'm a loser. I got to get something done with it. And it hurts. But at the same time, I've never experienced that sort of uh, drive before. Uh, And one thing I keep realizing is that um, every time I have that low feeling, I mean, I almost feel like an addict in a way it's like a new sort of addiction of um okay you got that high you know you got those feel-good feelings of whatever it may be uh you saw something cool you had a little adventure driving around looking for stuff people who really resonated with your stuff but it resets so fast and you're right back to man i haven't produced anything i gotta you know yeah. All, all normal stuff, I'm sure, but uh, it's my first time really experiencing that. And to me, I'm really trying to understand that that right there is the whole, you know, the cliche journey is the reward. Oh. That's what I always wanted. I've always wanted to wake up and feel like, okay, what can I do today to further this thing? You know, it's, it's kind of gamifying life in a way. Uh, you know, so... I definitely feel that now, which is the thing I'm most grateful for. So I think what impresses me most about your work is your consistency. You're consistently amazing. Like your work is consistently good. Um, and I'm very much like a big fan of people who create great work, but also consistently great work. Um, so I'm always impressed by just kind of like your dedication. And I'm kind of just, I'm really kind of just curious, like where does the idea of your dedication come from? Like why photography? Well, I mean, to be 100% honest with you, photography at first, just because I felt like it would be the easiest, hmm. you know, uh, I, I, like I said, I still don't, when you, when you call me an artist, when I call myself an artist, there's just the tinge of like, oh, why am I saying this? Why is this person saying this? You know, um, because the, the thing that always drew me is, like I said, it's kind of a combination of visual and sound. And obviously, with photography, you're kind of lacking that. But uh, I can still get a sense of like, okay, what would this sort of scene look like to this song or, or, or what have you? And I just felt like photography would be the easiest way to kind of scratch that itch. Um, and like I said, I grew up skateboarding, so I had nothing but skateboard magazines. And you read all the interviews and the photographers you know he's basically a part of the team and i always like the idea of okay here's this thing that i really love skateboarding but i'm probably not going to be the greatest skater of all time but there's all these other fields attached to this thing um to where you can still be a part of that world you know um so that was the first time photography kind of presented itself to me 
uh, and obviously I'm reading Skate Magazine, so I'm, I'm seeing all these images of not just the cool tricks they're doing, but also just the lifestyle shots. Like, we're at this hotel in Spain, and then we went here. I would love seeing all those kind of in-between images, you know. So that's that's what first got me interested in it. So you said that, you know, you're kind of hesitant to describe yourself as an artist, but like, what do you think it means to be an artist then? Well, I guess, I, I guess the main <clears throat> hang up for me is I feel like there's a difference in people that, um, what is the thing? It's like where there is some people take an image and some people create an image. Hmm. I feel like I do best when I have the sort of sandbox of tools in front of me and I can just fiddle around with them and eventually oh, this looks cool. But if I had to create all those sort of things in front of you from scratch, to me, in my mind, I'm like, oh, those are the, the quote-unquote real artists. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not saying that the, that's how it is. It's just, that's just how my brain kind of interprets it sometimes. So... Where would you put, so I guess do you draw a distinction between like an image taker and an image maker? Like where would you put yourself on that scale? Uh, I, I put myself as an image taker. I mean, I, I get that maker sort of aspect through my editing. Um, hmm. But even then, I feel like, like all the tools are right in front of me. You know, I'm in Lightroom and I'm I'm messing with sliders. I'm not, I'm not um, adding this there or you know, when I go to a scene, I'm not thinking, oh, what can I add to it? I'm just looking for things, you know. Um, so if I take a cool image of like an old car or something like that, it's like I didn't produce that. Someone parked that car there. The fog was there. The light was how it is, you know. Um, and I, I do get enjoyment of the fact that I can see that. Mm. And whereas other people just because that's the number one um, that's the number one similarity with photography to skateboarding to me is skateboarding I always love the fact that all of a sudden the world looks totally different to you you know you're walking around and you're seeing stairs and ledges and all this stuff that people yeah. just never pay attention to and you feel like you have this secret you feel like oh it's crazy that all these people are walking by this thing and they just don't care. But this is like my gold mine, you know? So with photography, I feel that exact same thing. That's why a lot of the images I take are of like rougher sort of areas because I feel like they're truly beautiful and unique, you know? Um, and I feel like people just ride past it, don't care. So I like being able to find it and hopefully, you know, show people and hey, this stuff is a lot more interesting than, you know, driving around some sort of gentrified area where there's just Starbucks, that's why all these chain stores. Like, I like the older stuff, you know? But it's like the beauty and the kind of disregarded, I guess, that's much more interesting to you. Yeah. Say, so I actually really love what you said about the idea of, like, perspective and the way that being a photographer and also skateboarding changes your perspective. And I couldn't agree more. Because I definitely feel like, for me especially, like when I walk around nowadays, even just like to work, like I, mm -hmm. I, I walk to work and I'm like, oh, I could photograph this and oh, I could photograph that. And it's 
it's really strange how you do see the world extremely differently and like everything becomes the world becomes a playground like everything becomes a potential for something it's not just oh this is a tree it's like how is the tree going to look and you look at like how is the light hitting the tree and then you're like oh what does that say and it kind of opens you up to kind of i don't know like the depth of the world i think i don't know if that makes any sense but for me especially and and it starts to feel like okay if i didn't have this like man that that would not be good you know (laughs) yeah but it's it's kind of weird because i think lately i've been really kind of compelled and it's like Mm. you feel compelled to photograph something not that you know why you just feel like i need to photograph this um yeah and actually i'm kind of curious like is there an image that you regret not taking uh there's so many um yeah so many like we we talked about once before but uh i'm just reiterate um yeah every single time i go shoot there's an infinite amount of images or, or what kills me is not really a specific image itself. It's more of like a set of possibilities, hmm. you know, um, because one of the rushes I get from going out at night and taking photos is, you know, I'm going to explore somewhere new. I'm going to go to this neighborhood, see where it leads. It's, we're kind of throwing the dice at life a little bit. Like I, I'm the type of person I, I need that, especially working a job nine hours a day. You know, I, I need that sort of, rush that feeling that um i'm doing something crazy i'm doing something interesting everyone else is asleep and i got off work and i'm doing this but then there's so many times where just fear just fear of everything just oh it's too crowded out here uh i'm too far from home i have to make sure i get back by this time whatever it might be uh that will stop me from exploring certain areas or or staying out when I'm in a good flow. Uh, and those things, they, well, they, they stop. They used to drive me nuts. Now I look at it as a good thing um, because it's kind of like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I look at it as a good thing because at least it shows me like, all right, well, next time, you know, keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. That feelings you have is, always keep it in mind and try to come back next time without any regrets, you know? But they'll I, always be there. There's always be a kind of shit of water, you know? I guess it gives you limits, though, which is kind of a good thing. It means that you're not going to just kind of go all out and go crazy, take, you know, thousands of images and then be like, cool, I'm done. I don't need to do anything else ever again. It gives you, like, mm. the... It's almost like a capping point. It caps you off so that, you know, you can come back again and do it again. Otherwise, you know, yeah. you might go out and shoot your best work tomorrow. And then what would you do after that? Yeah, because I do the thing all the time where I've just started out. I'm driving somewhere. I'm not sure where I'm going. And then I'll I'll pass something that looks really interesting. But there's a bunch of cars on the road. And I got to get over a couple of lanes. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll remember that. I'll remember mm-hmm. that. And on the way back, I'll look at it. And I, I never do. Sometimes I do. But <laughs> most times I end up so far away from that spot and zigzagged all around that I don't get back to it and then I'll forget about it for a couple of days and I'll remember it and I'll go back and a certain car or whatever that was there is not there anymore. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't remember that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really not a big deal because it's all random anyway. I don't know what's going to be. There. So like I said, I don't, 
not really too much regret these days when it comes to that. So it will be something new somewhere, you know? <laughs> so that's really interesting, actually, because I think you're, now you mentioned it, like, that's a good point. I think it has a chance because, like, I'm assuming then you don't. So do you actually ever revisit another place? Do you, do you ever be like, cool, I'm going to come back here and go back to the same place? Yeah, yeah all the time. Like, uh, all the time. Um, I, I used to feel bad about that because for a long time, I wasn't able to drive. I didn't have a car. Mm -hmm. So I was just walking everywhere. So yeah. when you're walking, you really kind of have to constantly visit the same spot. And <laughs> yeah. A lot of my earlier night work is like multiple shots at the same place, but they're all they're all totally different to where if you kind of scroll through my thing, you might not notice. But yeah, I, re I revisit stuff constantly. Um, one of my favorite photographers is Dido Moriyama, and he talks about that a lot, about that being part of it is revisiting, 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 just constant revisiting. And that's his style too. He just walks out the door and just walks around, sees what happens here. So yeah, definitely revisit stuff quite often. So for those yeah. men I've seen it, could you describe your work? Well, they're nighttime images. The nighttime images of old cars, churches, uh, things like that. Those are things that are like if you were to drive around in my area, it might be like, wow, there's nothing going on here. And a lot of times the eye-catching things at night around here are churches, maybe some kind of neon sign somewhere or something like that. Things that aren't over-the-top exciting, but they just have a certain uh, feel to them. Uh, and I, I like taking pictures of stuff like that. And like I said, where there's no clear, there's no clear story at first. But as I build a body of work, I'm able to go over and see, like, okay, there's a huge similarity in this image, this image, this image. They all have the same sort of color grade. I'm a huge fan of the color green. Yes. <laughs> and that might be obvious from my work. Um, yes. That comes from watching long car wide movies, uh, particularly the movie Fallen Angels. When I watched that movie, it just felt like this is exactly how I imagined night in my head. Like this sort of green and red undertone to everything. I just love that so much. That's one of my big inspirations when it comes to my uh, look. So I have quite a few questions. So um, what to ask you next? Because you chose to want to, actually, I'll ask you about now. I was a bit later on, but I'll ask you now because it's a good time. But the idea of like style. Like, how important is style to you in your work? Um, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure because on one hand, I definitely want to have a style. Um, uh, but at the same time, just, you know, I also want to be free to try whatever. You know, sometimes, sometimes I'll look at like minimal sort of photography, like minimalist photography, and I, I'll just feel like I don't get it, you know, hmm. like scrolling through this stuff doesn't do anything for me. And then something somewhere will subconsciously get in my brain and then 
I'll see an image out in the world that looks like those minimalist images I just talked about, and I'll take I'll take the image and I'll edit it, and it'll look like those minimalist uh, photos that I was just looking at. And all of a sudden, now that I've created it, I'm like, this is the next thing. This is awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hmm. It, it can kind of change all over the place. Um, yeah. I guess uh, I'm still just kind of unsure what even is style, you know? Because like yeah. I said, I have a style that even when I try my hardest to, you know, be a quote-unquote professional event photographer and take the sort of images that, uh, you know, I think that the people paying me would want to see. Even then, there's no escape from my images feeling a certain way. So I don't really think about it that much, you know? Um, when it comes to style, I'm starting to notice it a lot more on things like Twitter, where mm. you have, you can share like four images at once. And obviously, you're now you're thinking about it a little bit differently. I feel like that's for me. That's where style starts coming out. It's not in single images, but how I choose to uh, kind of stitch them together. You know, uh, I feel like my style comes out more uh, like that rather than in single images. But at the same time, I think someone else could look at my work and explain like oh his style is like this but for me I, I don't know i'm just a little too into it to really give you a, a clear answer mm. i mean it, it i mean to answer your question yes it's very important like i want people to think of me even just using the word literally i want them to look at my work and be like that's the style it's got you know even though i know it's not exactly me but <laughs> uh it doesn't feel that conscious from me yeah. So that's actually a really interesting observation. The idea of style not being defined by one image, but being defined by the way in which you present the images. Like that's absolutely something we think about for a long time because that's such an interesting point. It's not something I've really thought about because I feel like with Instagram, the whole carousel situation is 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 nice, yeah. but it's not always the best. Yeah. Um. So that's actually a really interesting consideration in terms of like, well, actually, it's how you choose to present your work that also determines style. There's a, a photographer friend of mine called Parse. Um, I don't mm -hmm. know if you know his work. And uh, recently he posted a, just a, a normal carousel, but he laid it out quite interestingly. And like that was really interesting to see because it's like switching things up and trying things like differently, that can really pull people's attention just because it's different. Sometimes we get bored of the same thing. Yeah, and also like uh, another one of my big inspirations in photography is Todd Heido. Of course. Uh, one of the things he talks about is he seems so similar to me and that he's not really trying to say anything in particular with his images, but he's fascinated by um, the meaning that others take from them, you know? Because everyone always does. I, you know, I'll, I'll post something and I'll feel like, man, this is, this is like a happy sort of feeling from this image. And all the comments would be like, this is so eerie. But I'm like, eerie? Like, what? <laughs> but I mean, I obviously get their feeling. I just love that, that we can just feel totally different about the thing, you know? But that's great, because it opens up a conversation. And I'm assuming that's what you want your work to do, is open a conversation. Yeah.
Hmm. So what makes something photo worthy? I think just the feeling it gives you uh, is really just as simple as that. There's a lot of things that I take pictures of that are never posed or anything like that. Um, I'm going to give you a a funny slash interesting one. Um, When I first got into photography, and I didn't know exactly, you know, okay, cameras, all that, I got a blackberry curve like i don't know 10 years ago or something like that it had like a two mega two megapixel camera on it and when i first ever started taking photos i would take photos of um local malls like the food court stuff like that because whenever i was at those places i would feel good Mm. like i loved going to those places it would just give me a good feeling think of the feeling you get when you go to the movie theater Mm. you know and my whole thing was I want to capture that feeling to show other people how these places make me feel. So for whatever reason, like, uh, you know, I was really into video games for a long time. And when I was young, whenever I'd feel real depressed or something, I would imagine either a GameStop or Best Buy or some kind of store like that. I would imagine it in the rain because I love the rain as well. So I would imagine like a GameStop or some kind of game store in the rain. That would just make me feel so good in this cozy feeling. And it's funny because still to this day, I've never tried to take an image of that. (laughs) But I always think about it. Like the feeling of um, like when I would feel bad, I would look on this Blackberry and I just have a bunch of images of like, of Belks or a Macy's or something like images that nobody would ever look at and feel like, oh, this is a great image. I would know the feeling that I'm trying to. And when I would look back at those images, it would make me feel better. And because, you know, I can't exactly Google GameStop in the rain and <laughs> get a feel good yeah. feeling from it. I had to kind of make it myself in my own, my own little way, weird way of dealing with the, uh, whatever bad feelings. And I think I'm still doing that, you know, just in kind of a more subconscious way. Like I'm taking images of places that might not make people like feel happy, but it, it's sort of a, it's sort of sad, but happy at the same time. That's, I, that's really what I'm trying to capture. Cause I think that the, the kind of people who understand your work are the kind of people that understand your work. I think, Particularly like nighttime images, I think there's there's a niche for it, obviously. There's a very big niche for it, actually. Um, but I also feel like there's a reason that we gravitate towards that. Like there's something about like even myself, whether I'm shooting them or I look at them, like there's something about an image at night that's just absolutely beautiful. I think it's a sense yeah. of just kind of this quiet. I love images that are really quiet and just silent. Yeah. And that are very yeah. like pensive, that make you think about life and they make you kind of question. They make you question both the location and this the story, but also like who you are as a viewer, like why you're situated in this environment and what it means mm-hmm. to you. Um, and it's kind of interesting because as a photographer, that's kind of what you do. You kind of put the viewer into your environment. You almost put them into your mm-hmm. shoes and be like, you know, look at what I'm feeling. So you mainly shoot at nighttime. Um, and I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious, like, do you feel like nighttime images are overdone? Uh, no, I... I don't. Um, I will say, uh, like, when I first started doing it, I kind of had a sense that, like, 
uh, not a lot of people are doing this, mm. and it kind of felt special. Like, oh, I'm brave. I'm special. I'm unique. And uh, you know the way the sort of algorithm works. It feels like once I started uh, really honing in on that style, and it kind of became my main thing. Everyone that I'm getting shown is also a night photographer. Um, so I kind of had this thing in my head, and it was a very sort of egotistical thing, but I kind of had this thing in my head for a while. It's like, once I started doing it, everyone, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it was obviously ridiculous, but yeah. I, I did think that. And, uh, but the more I looked, the more I realized, like, I could see how. Uh, to the layman, like all these night images probably look the exact same. But when I'm looking at them, everyone feels so different from mine. Like, I really don't think it's overdone. And um, I kind of I look at it as its own sort of hobby. Hmm. Like, th- well, in the aspect of like just going out and searching and all that. Like, obviously, people that shoot photos in the day are doing the exact same thing. But for some reason, with night, it kind of feels like its own thing. So I've always said, like, man, I wish there was a podcast for this. Like, let's not talk about photography. Let's talk about this night thing that we're doing. Like, are you using a GPS everywhere? Or you? how do you have your car set up? Do you shoot out the, your window a lot? The, how do you park in this situation? Like, all that sort of stuff I'm very interested in. Uh, so I, I think it'd be cool to start seeing stuff like that. Um, that's one thing my wife suggested to me is why don't you show more about the process of doing this? I think it'd be interesting to people, you know, 100%. where you go and, and how long you take and what podcast you listen to, what music you're listening to. 100%. Uh, that's one thing that I'm ever since she kind of put that idea in my head, I've been looking at all these night images and I've been asking the same question as her is, you know, What's the story with this place? How did you get there? How did you find this? Um, all, all that sort of thing, you know? Um, one thing that I do find very, I don't know, I don't want to say frustrating, but I find that night images get lumped in with this sort of digital art kind of thing, you know? Yeah, that's a fair assessment. It's, it's infuriating in a way because I find myself looking at all these night images that I don't know are you know, so heavily doctored and just, you know, they really are just like a painting or something like that. But I'm looking at it and I can't tell. And it makes me feel like, man, my images suck. How are people finding this same cloaked hooded figure everywhere? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, how are they finding this illuminated phone booth in the middle of a field? Like, what is going on? I need to look harder. And then I was starting to realize, like, oh, no, all this stuff is fake. And, you know, I hate saying fake because, I mean, obviously, the sky isn't green. You know what I mean? And you look at my images and the, the sky is green. Things are weird colors, blah, blah, blah. But, like I said, I feel like I'm manipulating what's there. Um, that's the only thing I don't like is there's not a distinction between this sort of digital art and especially now with AI art seeming to have exploded. There's images out there that, especially on a small screen, it's just an AI art, and you look like, man, that's a really great night photograph. Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, 
it, it, it's kind of the exact same to me as, um, you know, what women must deal with just seeing photoshopped models and everything everywhere and then constantly comparing themselves to that. It's just a little micro scale version of that to me sometimes. That a really interesting comparison of digital art, particularly like phone booths at night. I know exactly what you're talking about. I think there's so many in my mind. Even just like silhouetted film noir figures in the fog, you know, stuff like that. Like I love stuff like that. Like people like Taiwan, you know, there's really great, amazing digital artists who are doing stuff that are gorgeous, but there are also photographers who are doing stuff just as great in real life. So I 100% agree with you. So that's one of the things I always think about. Like, uh, I'm very, very grateful and lucky that my wife, when we do events and stuff like that, she's usually the one that sets something like that up. Mm. And she's very good at, you know, talking to people, posing people, even if it's just nothing particularly amazing it's just a group shot you know what i mean that sort of stuff uh man i'm almost shaking thinking about it like it makes me very nervous and so i always feel this sort of thing of oh there's this part missing from me like i i wouldn't be able to like sometimes i get a very flattering comment like you should be a director of photography Hmm. or a film or something like that and I'm like, yeah. man, if you were to tell me, like, go recreate this image or whatever, it's like, I don't know if I could. I feel like a lot of times, like, I just see something interesting. I happen to take the photo and I, a lot of it comes out in the editing. But if you were to tell me, you know, set this whole thing up, find the location, here's the model, you can do whatever, you can have infinite tools. My, my brain just starts going blank and you can scale, you know? <laughs> I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. Because I feel like, yes, you're right. You go out and find a location, you like it, you shoot it, you think, oh, cool, post-processing, cool. But there has to be something inside of you in the first place for you to actually go and take a picture of a place, for you to know what to do with that after. So you've got the foresight to be like, this image of a dumpster at night is going to look great in these colors. But I guess it's just, um, it would be like, hey, I could do a photo shoot with you in this sort of style, but you're going to have to do it my way. Like, yeah. I don't have this dialed in. I don't know. Let's go here and I'm going to yeah. use this light. It's like, you're just going to have to ride in the car with me and we're just going to have to become friends and just try things, you know? That's exactly what you need to do. You need to do something that's, that's like very low expectation. There's low pressure. There's there's nothing that you, it, nothing has to turn yeah. out right. It's just a case of like experimentation. What you want is play. You want to be able to go out with your camera, grab a model, grab a friend, grab just some, not, maybe not some random stranger, but, you know, grab somebody you kind of know and be like, yo, let's kind of create some work. It might be great. It might not be. That's what you need to do. Yeah. I think, I think past that would be great for you because I can imagine if you added, if you added more figures to your image, that could be insanely cool. Your work is gorgeous as it is, but it's just like, there is so much potential. You just have to have that self-belief that, yes, of course, the first time you do it, it might go terribly. It might not work well. It might break. But then you just kind of keep doing it, persist. Like, it's got you this far already. Look how great your work is now. But yeah, I guess whenever I think about it, I just imagine, you know, I imagine uh, some random photographer I might have listened to their whole audio book or something like that. So I just, uh, my first image and expectation is like this consummate pro. And I'm like, well, I'm not that. So I can't do that. You know, I I struggle with that. Yeah, that's a, a mindset that, I would advise you to think about changing or think about how you can change that because there is no such thing as a professional. 
it's a lifelong process. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. But you have to also remember there's no such thing as a professional photographer really mm-hmm. nowadays in the landscape we're in, in photography. You can shoot images on your yeah. iPhone and have a campaign. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as professional. Like, yes, you, just because you might not have the gear, the lighting, the crew, the setup, that doesn't mean you can't create top quality, incredible images, even just with a flashlight and natural light outside at night. It's about mm-hmm. learning the skills that are going to get you work elevated to the next level. And actually, I have loads of cool suggestions for you, actually, if you want them. Um, because I... Just think, just talking to you now, I'm thinking about all the different photographers that I know that his work is gorgeous and, and interesting and fascinating, but they don't have all the tools. They don't have, you know, thousands of dollars worth of, of equipment or cameras or whatever, you know? And, and the thing is also nowadays, like for me personally, I've always felt like gears in most times, like most times gears overrated. Unless you're having like a billboard, unless you're going to create billboards or creating ad campaigns, or you're creating, you know, work that's going to be you know, huge size that like you don't need a full frame camera. You don't need the best tool ever. You just need something that crates. And then that'll get you yeah. somewhere that'll get you to the next level. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I try to be cognizant of because, uh, for me, it's not really a feeling of, Oh, I don't have the right gear or whatever. Mm. I, I don't really care about a lot of that stuff. The things that yes. I think about is I don't have the people skills. I don't have the, the ability to sell myself, the college, stuff like that. Things that money can't buy, which is part of the reason why I do this is because it's just a broad overall self-development tool. But there are things you, know? you can always learn though. You know, you can always develop them. Yeah. You just have yeah. to be you just have to be willing to do so or willing to open to the experience of doing that. Like like if you want to mm. shoot portraits, just literally grab a model, go to like model mayhem, grab a model, go out and shoot. It's scary. You don't know what's going to happen. Things could go wrong, but that's the whole point. The whole point is you learn and you have fun. That's the point. And you're also at a point right now where there is no pressure or expectation for you to create great work. You can create mm-hmm. and it'd be a disaster and it'll be absolutely fine. You're not going to lose anything. So now mm-hmm. is the time for you to be doing that. Now is the time for you to be experimenting and having fun and doing stuff and just having joy, of, like, you know, getting joy of what you do. And I know you already do that now, but it's just like, if there are ways, this is not meant to be a pep talk, but it turned into one. But like, if there are ways that you want to expand your practice and you're like, oh, cool, I want to shoot maybe more models or I want to shoot, I don't know, like in different locations, like go and do it now whilst there's no pressure. Because there will be a point within the next year, next two years, where people will pick up on your work and you'll be expected to create a certain type of imagery or you'll be expected to do a certain kind of thing. And before you get to that point, have fun. Explore your options. Figure out who you want to be. because. Because, like, for me personally, um, and I like the fact you said earlier about, like, you're really interested in the process and the story, because for me, I'm always interested in the process and the story, hence the podcast. I'm always interested in why people do what they do. And um, and it's kind of interesting that you say that, because there is definitely a market for that, 100%. And um, places like magazines like 349am and Witness and Nowhere Diary and places like that, um, mm. like Photo Cinematica that have, like, these incredible photographers being featured all the time, but you don't, but you never hear their stories and you never see the concepts behind it or the reasons behind it, or like just the background and behind the scenes. And I think what you're saying in terms of like showing that process and what your wife said, I think she's actually right in many ways. Um, Cause like personally, I would love to see you create a real, like you don't have to even show your face. You can just create a real where you're talking over your images, why you did a certain thing, why you went to this location, stuff like that. Also, what we were talking about, about now you not really being able to differentiate, you know, sort of uh, Mm. digital art 
that's combined with photos and stuff like that, when you show the process, it kind of relieves all that sort of thing, you know. And also you have to remember as well, like photography to the layman, to as I like to call them the general public, like a photograph is just a moment captured. That's all you've done. That's it. You've literally taken a camera, snapped an image, when actually there is a whole process. There is, you know, you've found an you've found a place, you found a scene, you've photographed it, you've considered it, you've edited it, you've made a story out of it. You know, there's it's you don't just take an image. It's not it's not just like that. Um, it seems like that and it appears like that, but that's just not the case. So I think the process, showing like how you edit, showing kind of just your just your general tastes and what you like and what you don't like, even just like your inspirations. There's just like there's so much you can do and so much you can show. Um, I think it's really, really interesting to tap into that. And it's something that I also want to do in my own work, definitely as well. So your advice and you're saying this is making me think, oh, actually, what can I do? Um, but it's just interesting to kind of consider like, we're all shooting similar stuff, but we're coming from very different perspectives. Like, what is your perspective? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think that fascinates me personally. So uh, what have I got on here? So actually, so wait, so do you shoot digitally or with film? I shoot digital. And what is your opinion on the whole digital versus film debate? Well, I don't know what the debate is. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I love film, um, but it's just not. Um, it's just not fast. It's not. It's, hmm. it's not fast enough feedback for me to get anything out of it. Yeah, like I'm in the state of mind where I need instant results. Like that's why I, I'll go out and shoot for four hours and then. No matter what, I'm getting that editing done before I go to sleep. <laughs> really? I, I, yes, I, I need to have it done. I need to. I, That's I insane. I, That's I, insane. I, I wanna, like that event I did with me and my wife, we had like two thousand images, and I'm sure there was a happy client, but they got all those images back, to, you know, within six, seven hours. That's insane. I, I I can't I, so imagine me with film yeah. and I'm stressing about because you know I don't I don't have a lot of money I, I I can't sit there and think about okay I gotta get across town on this date when I yeah. have the time and pay this money to get it developed by people that I mean I, yeah. I've got roles before and it comes back and I'm like dude did you even try with this like <laughs> and this yeah. you know. This yeah. is like forty dollars down the drain, and all this time, and what? And I, I just can't deal with. It. You know, there's there will come a time in my life where I will shoot film, hmm. but for for growing and learning, uh, to me, it just it just doesn't work. I, I started out on film; that's how I learned in the first place. Yeah. So all that stuff like metering and what have you, I, I learned that already. Now I need the instant feedback so that I can tweak as I go. And that's the most important part is the instant feedback. So that's fascinating to me because I work very differently. So I always shoot a lot of work and then I just leave it. I don't touch it. So right now I've shot loads of stuff this year and I've just literally left it. I'm not going to look at it for a while because I'm going to shoot yeah. more. So the idea of like, because I actually, years ago when I first started, I used to do the same thing. I used to shoot loads of images and then edit them the same day and then be like, cool, this is done and close a book on it yeah. but i think nowadays and it's some maybe some advice to you that i give to you that i got from another photographer called caffeine cowboy 
like the idea of like images like images don't always just have one life they have several so just because you've shot an image today or tomorrow or yesterday and you've edited it and it's done it's not always fully done because that image may crop up later on in a sequence that might be a lot more fitting you know don't yeah. just be like cool the image is done it's it's gone it's edited let's move on you always have to remember that photography is timeless to the extent yeah. photography is timeless and you never know when your past work will actually inform your present work and then inform your future work. Well, one thing uh, for Christmas, my wife's parents got me a printer and it's actually like oh, a wow. really, really good printer. And I've always had a hesitation towards that. Like I said, I would imagine like, okay, printers, everything I've ever, every time I've ever dealt with a printer, it's been a hassle. Hmm. Uh, it seems like you need like a $3,000 printer to even print something remotely good i had all these preconceived notions that made me not ever want to get the printer not ever look into that side of it right yeah and i just got very lucky that they happened to get me one and it's really really good and i'm printing images now and uh i i'm a mess like i'll get like a pack of 50 papers and like i said uh, Okay, I'm just gonna print a couple and wait till I get some frames. I've got like a hundred prints <laughs> here, you know. Uh, it's really now I'm I'm starting to be able to go back to that older stuff and be like, okay, yeah, this was a group of like ten images I shot like three months ago. But man, really look at this. I bet you could actually see this little detail when I print it. So I'll just be like, well, let's print it. And so I'm really and also like I said, getting more into Twitter. And having those sort of storyboard s four panels, that's really made me look at old stuff and well, what four images go together. I like telling a little story with the, the four, you know? Because that could be so so could, a lot more of that lately. Yeah, because that's really cool. Because then you could sell, if you're going to sell prints, then you can sell like miniature four prints, like together. And they could be like a bundle or like they could be like these four prints go together. Or I don't know, that's, that's really cool, actually. Or even like a mix and match. I don't know. That's really cool. It opens up possibilities for you in the future. And I think I love this idea that you have a printer. And I really would have wanted your printer at some point in the future, like for sure. Because I'm building myself a little wall of, of art, which is funny. Um, and I would love to have one of your pieces on the wall. That'd be incredible. So do you think that your work translates well online then? Because you print it, so you see it in print? I, I, think, I think my stuff is uh, better. Uh, on print where you can see it big um especially that was one of my main hiccups when i started using the rico gr the gr3 because as a 28 mil focal length which for me at the time felt like a little wide and i felt like taking wider images especially when you have to crop it to fit properly on instagram hmm um i was just like man like so many images i take like are not even worth posting in this format and for the longest time it was very hard to even take a lot of images because that would be the immediate thought of oh yeah i know i can make this out but nobody else can um so like when i first started photography you know most people start with like a 50 mil lens and it's 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 kind of perfect, you know? You start out with like a 50 mil lens and you put it wide open and you get that nice blur. And I felt like that stuff is perfect for Instagram. But then whenever I would try 
you know, widening, it'd be like, yeah, it's just too small. I don't, I don't get how to get this work. And now, if you give me a 50 mil lens, I just want to throw up. Like, I feel so claustrophobic. Uh, I like it wide. But it's still kind of running into that issue where uh, sometimes it just feels like, the, especially I have an iPhone 13 mini, the little phone. <laughs> so especially for me, when I'm looking at my own stuff on Instagram or what have you, it's just kind of like, you know, it's like, you can't even tell this is good or not. How does anyone that's true <laughs> that's very true i mean it, it does give you certain freedoms though because you could shoot at an extremely high iso and have a lot of flaws in the image yeah but when you put in that little screen especially with little nice white borders or whatever that's one thing <laughs> it's funny but it's a hundred percent true <laughs> if you see if you see any of my images that have more of a white border it's because I don't like them as much. It's because I feel like I have to do that to kind of like clean it up a little. Like, all right, but it looks good when you do this, right? But those sort of images I wouldn't print, you know? So, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. There's a bunch of things on Instagram that I find wouldn't normally work that work great and vice versa. That's actually really funny for it. Well, what you just said is really funny for three different reasons. Firstly, because I used to shoot everything with a 50 mil lens. I actually don't use any of the lens to shoot anything, which is funny, um, yeah. which is hilarious. Because I should probably yeah, learn. It was my favorite. It was my favorite. And then I, I don't just, know what happened. I just feel like for me, like I just, I've, I've always shot the 50 mil lens and it feels weird to shoot with anything else. But that's just my preference. But then I'll just shoot like yeah. landscapes, portraits, you know, everything. But then I don't know. That's that's the whole conversation. But I think what you said about the idea of like, you can shoot stuff that's very flawed and put on Instagram people won't notice. I think that's very mm -hmm. telling because it's just like, if somebody came along and was like, oh, I want this to print, you'd be like, oh, that's not a good idea. But <laughs> So that's pretty funny. But I also think that's a really good point in terms of like, you can't always trust what you see online because just because it looks yeah. good because it's small doesn't mean it's going to look good when it's large. And that's, that's one amazing thing now about having this printer is a lot of times I'll just print it just to see it. Like, I don't care if I'm going to mm. keep this. I don't care if I'm wasting paper. I just, I just want to see it, you know? Uh, and uh, it's it's really helped by editing a lot, too. Um, because I, I would just notice certain things like, okay, you think the saturation or what have you is one way, and then you print this out, and you're like, oh, okay, that's not quite exactly what it is. Uh, one thing that i'm still kind of struggling with is just the overall darkness you know uh, all my screens i have the brightness turned all the way up yeah. as bright as they can go so everything i view when i'm editing or what have you it's like yeah i can see this fine and I, I think everyone else can but a lot of them i'll print and i'm like oh yeah i kind of gotta raise this brightness a little you know just little things like that Dude, that's so funny because that's something I've always struggled with. And until you've just said that now, I've just realized I've never actually thought about that. Like, because mm. when I edit, my brightness is at full as well. And I typically try to edit when it's dark as well so that you get like maximum mm. effect. But like, you're right. Every time I print something, it's too dark. And I'm like, oh, but this is really dark. So that's a really good yeah. point. I need to learn how to not do that. That's a really good point. Actually, I got a little editing secret for you. What's this? <laughs> yeah. One thing I really like to do, I don't know how I discovered this, but I'll edit everything in Lightroom, right? And so, mm. I told you, I edit everything on a iPad, right? Mm. So one thing I like to do 
and I might not keep this adjustment every time. Um, but when I'm done editing in Lightroom and I've exported it, so the, the photo sitting in my camera roll, it's, it's already edited. I like using Apple's built-in editing software on top of it. Hmm. Just clicking the auto button and seeing what it suggests. Because I always, yeah. I don't know if this is true, but I imagine it's geared for screens and stuff like that. Yeah. So I always find that it does just a little subtle something to where sometimes it doesn't even look like it's doing anything. And then in that case, it's almost kind of like, all right, I must be good. Then. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. it just makes it overly bright or what have you. But I find a lot of times it's actually very smart in what it does. And it, a lot of times it feels like it's a little kind of finishing touch on a lot of my photos. So I don't know okay. if anyone's ever tried that. It just it just works surprisingly well. Yeah, but I should try that. That's not a bad call. And also it's just interesting in terms of like, these small little things you don't think about when you're editing, but when you print your work with the with the eye to be able to print your work, it's going to give uh-huh. you such a better idea of like color, of saturation, of brightness, of just kind of like the final finished look of your work, as opposed to just being mm-hmm. like, oh, I create these images and post them online. It's like you print them. There's such a a defining quality to that. Mm-hmm. I'm actually quite jealous of that. To be fair, I would love to be able to print my work under band whenever I wanted to. <laughs> And actually, yeah. now you said that, I'm actually going to, I might actually just make some prints and work. Why not? That'd be pretty cool, actually. That'd be really cool, actually. Because there's something about seeing your work as like a physical object, knowing that you've created this. Yeah. For me, it's one thing I was telling my wife after I got it and after I kind of spent a day ironing out all the kinks and I was getting results that I was actually happy with. I was like, you know, I just feel, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel completely. You know, I yeah. feel like this thing I'm doing is real now. Oh, like, yeah. I'm not just some guy at work saying I like taking photos and at yeah. home there's an iPad with a bunch of photos on it. Now it feels like, well, if I really want to, I can uh, bring this. You know, I, I have this idea in my head. I was telling my wife, it's like, I want to be the print band. Like, what does that mean? I was like, well, even if I don't sell this stuff. I think it'd be fun to just go to some of these places that I've taken images of and just leave a print, leave a frame. Print oh, just, that's just, cool. You know, uh, uh, just a way of kind of like, hey, I want to be seen. I want, I want people to ask, what is this? What is this thing I'm seeing all over the place? So for a local business, I actually, uh, at one I told you that I shot the event for, yeah. I had a really nice photo that I had taken about a year ago in the fog of their building there's a they actually have a mural on their building by shepherd ferry do you know that guy i do indeed know shepherd ferry of course yeah he did the mural for them at this building and i was i kind of realized i was like wow it's so funny me and my wife watched a documentary forever ago about this guy and he was doing that exact same thing just going out stenciling his stuff everywhere and people start talking and yes. now here I am presenting a framed photo, a 13 by 19, to this business where they have the mural done by that guy. It just felt like everything kind of clicked. I was like, oh, this is awesome. You know, and they were thrilled to have it and they might hang it up or something like that. But uh, it's, it's not really the point. The point was just to be able to get my stuff out there. Money or no money, just here, have this and see somebody appreciate to have it. I felt like it was a good kind of seed to plant uh, 
something to do, you know? You know, I really respect that a lot because you're right. It's nice to, to be able to have something to show for your time and be like, oh, here you go. Here's something that I've made. It doesn't matter whether you get money for it. It doesn't matter whether that, you know, it's successful or not. It's like, here's something I made. I think that's very important. I think that's at the root of all art because it's like making so, something. Yeah. So in the future, if you think about me, you don't, you don't think, uh, I don't know, whatever multitude of negative things there could be. You think, oh, that's that artist guy. He made this print. Hmm. He did, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're almost like trying to define yourself without tying yourself down to a certain role. But you're like, this is what I want to be known for. Um, yeah. but, but in a way that makes it makes you able to kind of branch out to other things and kind of be like loose in terms of what you want to do. Yeah, because it's funny being a photographer forever. I didn't even like calling myself that because I do a very specific sort of photography. So let's say we're at a family event uh, and people want photos taken. Nobody even thinks about me when they hand the camera phone off. Like they don't think, oh, Chris is the photographer. Hmm. And I always felt really bad about that. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how to quite explain it, but I, I just felt like a fraud. It, it, it goes back to that fear hmm. of you about about posing people or whatever. It's like, man, I'm a photographer. This is my passion, and yet the people closest to me, it's like they don't even see me as such. It's like this secret thing that I do. So now that I have the ability to print things, I have this overwhelming sense of like, I want everybody to have this stuff, so that when you think of me, you attach that thing to me you hmm. know and I, I don't know how important that is but it felt important uh and that, that's something that's definitely you know finally starting to happen and i'm happy with it i'm really happy because that sounds absolutely incredible um what is your creative process like and are there any particular routines you have that help you focus on creating work my uh creative process really it just I used to think, okay, I really have to get myself in the right headspace. I have to be in a good mood. And ultimately, I would go months without taking a single photo, you know? And I'm the type of person I'm listening to podcasts constantly and all sorts of self help things, all that, you know? Uh, and I, I think it was Travis Barker, actually. It was on a podcast and he said, uh, you know, that it's not about motivation, it's about, you know, just getting out there to do it. And then also listening to like Stephen Pressfield books and stuff like that, like the War of Art was a huge help for me. Um, about just putting yourself in position for the muse or what have you, whatever you, however you call it, how, whatever you think about it, it's just putting yourself in position for that stuff to come. Uh, because like I said, a, a lot of times I'm not in a good mood. I don't feel like doing it. Uh, I don't feel creative. Um, I feel like, like I'm out taking the exact same images over and over, just kind of aimlessly. Yes. But sometimes I'll be out there and I'll just, it, it could be a random thought of some kind of feeling just comes over me and all of a sudden I'm looking at the world differently, like, my emotional coloring changes. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it gets worse. One thing that I do do, if ever I'm kind of in a mental sort of drought, or what have you, is I'll watch good movies and I'll take the time to like, okay, for the next two nights, each night I'm going to watch some kind of movie that I know is, you know, amazing. And I'll just kind of subconsciously start 
seeing things through that more cinematic way. Uh, that's one thing that I find that I have to do. It might be as infrequent as once a month. It might be every day for a month, you know, but the movies play a huge role in kind of influencing how I see things. I'd say movies are the number one inspiration for photography. See, I think that's really, really interesting because obviously, you know, films are made from photographs, you know, films are moving photographs. And like, have you ever considered creating video or like kind of using more moving image in your work? Yeah. But, you know, you want to talk about that feeling of like when you immediately think of something and you immediately think of all the obstacles and reasons why you can't. Yes. That is probably the biggest one. Okay. Um, and it's sad because, you know, I come from that skateboarding world where all their greatest videos are the more sort of just grab a camera, point and shoot. Mm. And that's some of the most inspiring stuff to me. One of my favorite movies of all time is Blair Witch Project because of that reason. I yeah. love the idea that they just did it. You know, um, I, I, I hate that I'm blanking on the guy's name, but the Wong Kar Wai movies that I like, his name's Christopher Doolin, I think. So, something like that. I hate that I'm forgetting it. But he talks about that too, about it being a sort of guerrilla style, about just pick it up and do it. Like, you don't got to have all the stuff, whatever, just do it. Um, and with, with video, I mean, deep in my heart, I feel like that's what I want to do sometimes, but it's also, um, when it comes to that mentality, that's my biggest hurdle. Um, it's not just, you know, just do it. <laughs> you know, I always think of like, well, I don't know how these settings are. I don't know what the yeah. people are supposed to be doing. So you need an indie filter, but. And you do, just all those questions and then I'm just like I don't want to do it. you know I just want to go take pictures but definitely it is something I'm interested in I think video is actually really hard I think making a decent video making like a decent video is really hard and I actually have a lot of respect for a lot of YouTubers that make these really gorgeous like even just like quote unquote content but it's like all like you know them shooting at night or just like really gorgeous like kind of night films they're just really nice because end day it's not easy and we look yeah. at that and we take it for granted thinking oh yeah cool that's cool that looks nice you know well done and it's actually like that took a lot of time and effort same with photography you know, we look at we look at images really quickly yet it took a lot of effort to create them yeah you know it's funny because i've been to a few art museums uh with my wife and i i always hate it because like i said a lot of times i'm in i'm just in this sort of mood where I can look at all this great art and feel literally nothing, you know? Mm. And it always kind of scared me. It's like, how am I an artist when like a lot of times I'm just so kind of known to everything, you know? Um, and I, I started like not liking going to museums and looking at art because it felt like something was missing in my brain, like to stop me from seeing it and appreciating it. And one of the things that actually, like, I see, because I would go to the art museum and sometimes you see people looking at a piece and they're crying to themselves or something mm. like that, right? And I'd be so jealous of that feeling. Um, do you know that director, I think his name's uh, Alfonso Caron? I don't think he, so. He did, uh, he did, like, the third Harry Potter, that's a bad example, but... Uh, he did, um, like, Gravity, Children of Men. 
I know, I know the uh, films. I know the films, but I don't know the director. But if, if you if you know him, all his movies are like these sort of masterpieces in the way that he'll do like a 17-minute single-take shot, you know? Oh, yeah, stuff like that, absolutely. So I, I watched that movie Roma that he uh, did, and yeah. I was just sobbing the entire time watching it because I've never been so in awe of all the little things that, and, you know, one of the things that I have to realize is that that's not one guy doing all this. And in my brain, it always feels like that's how it has to be. You're the mm. guy that does everything. And when you watch this, like, astounding sort of feat, you, your brain likes to think, like, man, how did this guy do this? And it's like, this guy didn't do this. He has a, a whole team around him that has taken years to make connections and relationships and find people that are good at this, someone that's good at this, and it's a collaboration of that. So when I look at video, it feels so daunting. So daunting. But that's yes, actually that, that's a really good point though. Because you're right, we we often I said we very much often attribute mm-hmm. a film to the director. But we don't think about the cinematographer. We don't think about the uh, colorist. We don't think about the actors and actresses necessarily. We don't think about you know people who wrote the storyline. We don't think about the individual parts. We look at the whole. And when you imagine doing it, you imagine it's just you doing it. Happening. Yeah, you always think of it that way, and it, it's like, man, how could anybody do this? Well, they can't. They need a team. You know, they need people. That's a really, actually, a really interesting point, actually. And I actually have a few good friends who actually I'm going to send that to and be like, by the way, you do realize you can't do this because <laughs> you need a team. Um, <laughs> but it's true, though. Or at least if you don't if you don't have the team, you at least need the advice and the guidance from people who know or who have a better understanding. And like, I think it would be really cool, actually. Now you've said that, it would be really great to set up some kind of collaborative like workshop or something where we get photographers who are interested in video together to shoot a film or something like that. That'd be really cool, actually. Um, um, when I when I was younger, I had a phone. It was like a little Nokia phone. It wasn't a flip phone. It was kind of all one piece, like all the buttons and the little tiny screen are all just one little piece, you know? Hmm. And everyone at the time had just got like iPhones had just come out, like, and I've got this little tiny weird phone that can't do anything. Um, but one of the things it could do, that, and it was kind of one of my first times ever doing anything creative consistently, is it had a video camera. And, you know, it's like less than a megapixel probably. Like yeah. Terrible quality. But it had a feature that fascinated me. The feature was you press a button and it pauses the recording. It doesn't end the recording. It just pauses it. So oh. when you hit it again, you know, you're still, it's still the same video, but you can make cuts on the fly. You don't really. That's interesting. And nothing else I saw did that. And it's funny because Vine ended up coming out like mm. much later and stuff like that. And I always felt like I was ahead of the game on that. Like I was doing that all day, every day, just making these little videos of like, it could be something as simple as, Oh, there's there's someone inside against the window, and I'm filming them, and then I pause, and I go outside, and I can see the silhouette from the outside, and then I start recording there. So in the video, it just looked like one fluid, just, and it 
it was the first time it felt like my brain was just firing, like, okay, I could try this, I could try this. And I was doing video, and there was no sort of caring about the specs, anything. That's yeah. probably the most free that I ever felt creatively. And I always think about that. Um, but it's just, it's just hard to live. It's just hard to live that sometimes. You know, so you could even get a brand new camera, go take photos, like, oh, I see how better image stabilization, better image stabilization will help here and blah, blah, blah. You know, it feels very hard to tap back into that. So I don't care. I'm just having fun. I'm using what I got. And the thing is interesting because of the lack of, that's one thing that um, directed for all those John Carr, the cinematographer, that was one thing he said is uh, the lack of tools is the product. Like that's what you're seeing. The lack of whatever is what makes something what it is uh so it's not about you know having all the best it's the lack of that gets you to improvise that gets you to create something you know you know that's actually again that's a really good point because i think two things i think one that we're having an aesthetic where like the whole kind of very low quality is kind of coming back in in terms of like you know people getting a lot of photographers i know actually nowadays are buying like you know really cheap cameras like old school cameras like really just cheap digital cameras and shooting stuff that's exactly why it's so popular because it feels accessible. Exactly. And, and, but at the same time, but you're right. Cause you know, give you, you know, you can buy yourself a 10,000 pound camera tomorrow. Uh-huh. Does not mean you're going to create great work? Yeah. You know, it's about knowing what you're doing with the tools you've got. And if the tools you've got are not high quality, that doesn't mean you can't create great images. There's a couple artists that I follow like on Twitter and stuff like that, where they're like in India, places like that. And they'll shoot with like an old phone. Mm. And one of the things I noticed is that they really, really have to come up with their own style, their own editing flair, because they're having to so heavily make up to the fact that, um, you know, that their camera doesn't have the greatest specs or whatever. Mm. But I feel like that's the absolute best way to do it. <laughs> you know, uh, I feel like I kind of had that same sort of process um, because I was so scared of going out and taking photos when i did take a photo i'd spend days and days editing it because it was the only sort of thing i could do that was practicing the medium because i was too scared to go out and actually do it so that's how uh, and i feel like that was really good for me because now i have my own style of editing and i have a distinct look through my edits that i was forced to uh, develop and I think you get that same thing with uh, limitations in tech is, you know, you got to kind of find a way to make up for it. And I think that's a good thing. Because then when you do have the proper tools, it's like, oh, man, how do they do? Like, I just got a full frame camera. It's my first one ever. And I couldn't stop thinking this feeling of like, how can they give me power? You know, <laughs> like now I know how to use it. If I would have got this year one, two, three, whatever, it would have just been like, I don't get why my pictures aren't better. But now that I'm older and more experienced, you know, I had a very clear understanding. This isn't going to make my pictures better. Hmm. Uh, but I can feel the things that I'm able to do that I wasn't able to do before. And it's nothing crazy, but, you know, I, I'm glad that I learned those lessons and I can appreciate it now 
rather than it just spiraling into more gear obsession, you know? <laughs> I absolutely love your perspective. I think what you're saying is so relatable. And I think it's it's very valuable actually, because I feel like you're right. Like you're very right. Like now you know that now you've got a full frame camera, you know what to do with it. It's because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember when I was I so I did a photography degree. And when I was mm-hmm. at university, I had acquaintances yeah. that brought the latest Canon camera. They brought like a Canon Mark III at that time, I think it was. Um, and they yeah. spent, you know, like £5,000 on a new camera, but they've, they'll never use that camera. They'll, they've never used it since. Because it's not about yeah. having the best specs and being like, oh, look at me, I'm fancy. It's about knowing what you can do and knowing your limitations. And then when you feel ready, you feel like your work needs mm-hmm. that extra push, then buy that camera. You know, I think, I don't know, I just really value your perspective. I think everything you've said so far is just so relatable. And um, it's kind of really funny because some of it's very opposite to what I do, which I really love. And just some of it really aligns. And I just really like that, that you're honest. Like, I really appreciate that. So in terms of your work, so I'm kind of curious because obviously you shoot at night. So like, how do you stay safe? Well, like I said, I'm kind of controlled by feet. It's it's one of the main reasons why I do what I do is because it, like I said, it's just a broad tool to kind of fixing all these things that I don't like about myself. And a lot of my actions are heavily dictated. You know, um, about a year, two years ago, just the idea of having a conversation with you like this was, hmm. would have been un- unfathomable. At the same time, that's kind of my biggest advantage when it comes to being safe. Like, I'm going to be safe because I'm scared of everything out there, you know? I don't hmm. take chances. You know, if I'm on a road that there hasn't been a car in five minutes and all of a sudden a car comes on their slope, okay, it's time to go. I'm not staying there. I'm not taking a chance. Like, and I, 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 I really, yeah, I'm very, um, like I said, I'll be on a back road at three in the morning and then the car's behind me, I'll pull off the first chance I get because I want to be alone. I don't want <laughs> anyone around me, you know? Uh, especially with my job, I'm working with people all day. Yeah. Like when I go at night, like that's for me. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want anybody around. I just want to feel like the world is mine, you know? Uh, so that, that fear is what keeps me safe. You know, I, I just look at everything very, oh, they're up to no good. What is that person doing? What is it? Even though. It's funny because those perceptions are what stop me from working out at night myself because yeah. all I can picture is people thinking the same way as me. Like those yeah. judgments you have become, you know, they become your king themselves. Mm. So I would look at everyone like as if I'm, it's the same thing as when someone wants to go to the gym and they're so conscious and they're like, everyone thinks this about me, but then they go and they realize, oh, everybody's just like me, just kind of worried about themselves and not really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. about me you know um but yeah it, i am aware like especially in the areas i'm going to i'm gonna look nuts standing out here taking pictures of like i know that people would drive by and be like oh i get what he's doing no they're not gonna get it they're gonna think something's wrong they're gonna so i'd rather just be discreet you know but not in a such an overtop way that I look creepy, like I'm looking around. <laughs> like a lot of times I get into sort of a flow where I can care less who's looking at me. I can care less what's going on. But I don't allow that to continue for too long because I have to be alert. And like I can't risk, you know, if I were to get all my stuff stolen, uh, that'd be 
really, really terrible. It'd be really hard to recover from that. So I think about stuff like that, and I just try to stay as safe as I can. Um, but I do feel like I'm a little too overly safe sometimes. Uh, I, you, you know, talking about images you wish you got. It's always stuff like that. It's always stuff like, man, why can't I just go walk around the place? Like, well, you can't. You know, you, you know, <laughs> like you, you wish you could. You wish the world was uh, one way, but that's that's not reality. You know what I mean? And, I, I think also because you're in America, I think it's very different over there than it is over here. I think here, I could walk around a neighborhood that might not be like the best. And yes, okay, I would be very nervous or very, not nervous, but I'd be conscious about it. But I think in America, like everybody has guns. You don't even know what people are thinking. Especially the places I'm at, like, um, they're like kind of more rural areas mm. where, and I'm in the South of the United States. Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, uh, yeah, it's not that I'm very careful. I'm very careful. So it's funny because I have a friend called Jesse Tate who hasn't been on Instagram for quite a long time, but he said the same thing when we spoke yeah, when I spoke to him. Magazine, right? Yeah, he said the same thing. Like, he's very conscious that mm -hmm. when he's out shooting, like, how you look. Because for me, like, I kind of don't really care too much because, I don't know, it's just, like, if people are going to stop me and ask what I'm doing, that's fine. I'd rather you didn't, but that's fine. But at the same time, like, I'm still going to take the pictures anyway, you know? So it's yeah. kind of like, I don't really care too much. If you want to have a conversation, that's cool, but... At night, where I'm going, if something yeah. happens, anything, it's already too late. Like, I'm not trying to have any kind of conversation <laughs> with anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think for me, like, I just don't like being disrupted because, like, you're in the zone. And, like, for me, like, mm -hmm. if I'm out and I've got a camera in my hand, like, I just want to be left alone. I'm happy to have a conversation, mm -hmm. but I could be shooting in that time. Like, I'm here to, like, I don't have all the time in the world. I've got a job to go to. So it's like, I, you know, I've set time aside to do this. Please leave me alone. But, I also feel like sometimes, though, sometimes talking to people whilst you're shooting or you're out and about actually can lead to different perspectives on your own work. And it kind of gives, it can, it goes two ways. It can kind of make it, either make you look really suspicious or people will be really interested. I feel yeah. like that's the kind of two polar opposites. There's, there's always a middle ground, but more often than not, people are either really suspicious and want to know what you're doing or they're just really interested in what you're doing. Because if you see somebody yeah. photographing at night, you'd probably stop them or maybe not. No. No, <laughs> no, I, I would. Like I said, I just look at it like they're up to no good. <laughs> Even though oh. they're doing the exact same thing as me. Oh, if, if, I, if I see anybody with the camera in their hand, I'm asking questions. I mean, that's what I do yeah. anyway, but I don't know. I just think it's, I don't know. I think it's nice to take the time to ask people what they're doing. And even though, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's it's nice to strike a conversation with people because you never know where that's going to lead. Yeah, I, I've done that. Um, you know, out shooting in the day, like if I'm walking around like yeah. a downtown area and it's populated. But like I said, when I'm taking pictures, it's like I'm in a rural sort of area. Like mm. there's nobody doing anything. If I see another person in person, like it already feels like something's wrong. Like this shouldn't yeah. be happening because it's three in the morning when in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, absolutely. The, yeah. Three in the morning in the middle of like rural America, definitely. I'd be as much as I'd love to be there, I'm a bit like probably wouldn't also like to be there. Yeah. But then I'd I'm I don't know, it depends on the area though. But like you're right. It, I think it's just very different. I feel like here in the UK, I think it's very like I could go out at three o'clock in the morning and I'd probably see nobody. Actually, no wait. Like I walk to work at five in the morning and there's hardly anybody about. So it's like 
then again, America's a bigger mm-hmm. place. I don't know. It's it's very interesting because I would love to experience that at some point. I think that'd be really fun, which sounds weird probably to a mm-hmm. lot of people, but I think that'd be fun. You know, it's funny. That's one of the best compliments I ever got, but it always makes me laugh. Um, someone commented on one of my photos and they're like, I wish I could take pictures like this, but I live in Europe and we don't have anything as aesthetically pleasing as this. <laughs> and I was like, Dude, I literally took a picture of a dollar store in the fog. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing special about it. But I was flattered that somehow the way I captured it, they're like, Man, we don't have cool stuff like this here. But everyone around here looks at that place as an eyesore and wants it gone. Yes. And so do I. And, yes. I mean, I want it gone too. But I still, I love the fact that it's able to take a picture of it and people are like, man, this that's such an aesthetic place. I'm like, really? Because it's an eyesore to everybody else. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad that I was able to at least get something good out of it. You know? Ah, so there's a question that I didn't actually put on this list that I normally ask for my called American friends. So like the idea of Americana, the idea of America itself, like as somebody from the UK, like for me, it's very fascinating because it's a huge vast place. But like, do you ever feel that it's very cliche? Like for instance, like that person was like, we don't have anything in Europe when actually they probably can find something either similar or something that's more distinctive to Europe. But like, do you ever feel like your work is like heavily tied with the kind of idea of being cinematic because it is America? Um, I I don't think it has to do with America. I think it has to do with like uh, low income areas. Period. Hmm. Um, one of the things I'm most fascinated about is I'm sure you've heard this cert, uh, this sentiment throughout your life that you know you never see kids out playing together anymore. They're not riding yeah. bikes. They're not doing all the things we did as a kid. Out running through the woods, stuff like that. And that is true. Yeah. Until you go into lower income areas and all of a sudden, um, you know, this project here has a community playground space where there's bad things going on there. But there's also all these good things that we think is lost. And it feels like um, for, for whatever reason, it feels like you see that sort of stuff more the lower the income. You know, and it's kind of that exact same thing we were just talking about with gear. It's like if you start off getting all the best gear, all the whatever, you kind of don't develop this style or what have you. And I find the same thing to be true. You know, I you'll never see me riding around a rich area looking for interesting photographs because every there is to me there is nothing interesting. It's like you have the money to make nice things and you made nice things. When I'm riding around lower income areas, everything feels improvised. There's a board on this window. There's this light is a different color than the other ones. This way, like there's there's interest there. Everything's not copy and paste. Um, there's a there's an improvisation that creates um, just more interesting looking things. You know, <laughs> old cars still exist. We're not all yeah. driving around in the newest car. You know. These are cars that people have to maintain for years. And if that car messes up, their whole livelihood's messed up. Um, yeah. And so it's the same thing. Like if you go to Cuba, you'll see all these American classic cars that they have had to improvise and keep good for over 100 years, 50, 60 years. It's fascinating. You know, and once you go to a place where everyone is living nice, you lose all that interesting stuff, I find, you know. 
That's a really good distinction. That's like a really good distinction. That's a really good distinction because it makes me think about like they like just because you said like the idea like everything looks improvised and like that's such a as as I've never thought about it that way actually. But now you said that I'm like that actually makes so much sense in terms of like for instance like boarded up windows or like streets that haven't been swept or you know like graffiti and signs half ripped and stuff like all the stuff that fascinates me and that I find captivating like it's all because it's not it's not proper it's not tidy it's not neat it's not organized and I think whenever I imagine like a a writer or something like you're reading a book and they're explaining a a place all those descriptions uh, in my mind the ones that come to me are the improvising like I went to a cafe there was a sweet and low packet under the the wobbly chair, like they're always explaining these sort of little intricacies that make that place interesting. And when you hear about it, you know, that place kind of comes alive, you know, and with my photos, it's like, oh, look, here, it's all right there. You can sit and stare at it for a while and, you know, you can see those improvised things, you know. I guess it's about looking for the character of a place. Yeah. Which I'm totally typing down because that's going to have to be like something I'm going to write up at some point. <laughs> I'm like, I'm writing this down. Um, yeah, that's really that. I that's such a fascinating concept. Like looking for the character of a place rather than looking at the place itself. Um, mm. That's really interesting. I'm going to be thinking about it for a very long time. Um, that's really fascinating, actually. Um, so, how do you make sure you don't become bored of your own work? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure really because. Like I said, it always feels kind of random. Um, sometimes I do feel just completely bored with it. Uh, but that's when I'll kind of watch movies, whatever, listen to different music, uh, try to just start seeing things differently. And sometimes sometimes I'm going to be bored until I just start feeling different. And sometimes that different is not good. I feel bad, but it's different enough to where I know that the images are going to be different, even if I point and shoot the exact same thing. I can feel that shift in my consciousness, and I want to go see what comes out. You know, I'm, the result might be I ride around the press and just not in the mood and get nothing, or I might get five images I'm not particularly proud of, but it will be different, and through doing that process, I will start to feel better, the pendulum will come back, I'll eventually make something I'm proud of and then it'll start off, you know? Right. So a question for you would be then, would you still create your work if nobody saw it? Uh, I mean, I think I, I think I would, it, it wouldn't go much further than just kind of uh, a sort of curiosity thing, like take a picture here and there, fiddle with it. Um, yeah. If nobody saw it, no, I don't think there's any way I would do it. Yeah, I, I don't think I would because um, that's one of the things is, is building the ego, you know. Mm. Um, not very confident and all, all the sort of typical things I heard many times. But um, giving feedback on my work, uh, I'm the type of person, like, when I was a kid, I was terrible in school, but once once I started getting positive reinforcement, all of a sudden I got to, I'm on the street. I want to keep this going. I want to, you know. Uh, so that that's one of the main reasons I do it is to kind of have like a positive feedback loop to keep me feeling good about myself. 
because sometimes, you know, like I said, it, it can shift to where I feel terrible about myself. I yeah. have no confidence whatsoever. I feel like everything's terrible. And then I'll get a couple people, you know, give me some praise or whatever. And it's like, oh, I, I want to keep doing this. I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing a good job. That's my sort of positive reinforcement that I look to. And, you know, there's a lot of downsides to that, but that's just, that's just how it is for me, you know. Like, I want to be loved. I want to be admired. I want, you know. The, the thing is that you are doing a good job, though. That's the thing. Like, you, like truly, like, you are, like, genuinely. You are doing an incredibly cool thing because it's just, like, you're creating something for yourself. And I think you can't get any more better than that because you're creating something for yourself, you know, whether it fails or not. You're still doing, mm-hmm. like, you're putting yourself out there. You're making the effort. You're putting the time in. You're, you're creating something that is evidence for your time on this planet, you know? it's. It means it's more than just, oh, this is a nice image. It's like, this is a documentation of your life. This is a documentation of your feelings. This is a documentation of you as a person. You never know who's going to see this work. Like, you just don't know what will, opportunities will come from it. And yes, you could screw it away on a hard drive. And yes, you could you know keep it for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that if you fancy it. So I always think it's just like, release it out into the world, see what happens. Don't have any expectations and you'll be absolutely fine. That's my opinion of like posting work. So... If you could shoot anywhere in the world, where would you like to shoot? Uh, Japan. Oh, good call. Yeah. Uh, Japan just seems, that feeling you were describing about how you think it might be different being in Europe, like people don't yeah. really care as much if you're out. To you. oh, Japan yeah. feels like the ultimate version of that. <laughs> yeah. You know? And also just how they're more, they seem like a more uh, a society built way more around respect and kind of keeping to yourself and they yeah. seem so much more introverted like even when i would watch skate videos where you know one of the cliche types of footage to have in a skate video is like oh look at us getting kicked out of this spot you know which i always hated even when i was younger hmm. i was like can you just be not like why is this cool to be like we're getting kicked out we're rebels you know what i mean yeah uh when they would go to not just Japan, but just Asian countries in general, it's like the security guards are not like here. They're not throwing you around. They're like doing an X sign with their hands, asking you politely, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated by the idea that I can walk around anywhere and have zero fear. I, I would love that, <laughs> you know, to just truly not, not, not think like, oh my God, I should not be doing this, to be somewhere else blah 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 it's like no you can just walk around and do what you want to do and not have to worry about crime basically yeah, yeah. true that's very true because i was gonna say Chicago is england but even definitely certain parts of england particularly if it's a place you don't know as well that's also the thing like you're going to locations you might not even be familiar with and it's mm. like it's very easy to be like oh no everything will be fine but like you're, you're going to be knowing it from home if things don't yeah go very right and it's kind of like it's a risk you take i think people don't really understand like it's a huge risk and you're out with expensive equipment as well mm-hmm. so it's, uh, and it, it's funny because sometimes i wonder like if i think this about a place like japan but i've never even been to like new york city hmm. which is huge you know yeah but america uh, is I, a huge place yeah but i imagine like okay I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about being in japan and oh wow i have no self-conscious fears anymore because people are not, i guarantee i would get there and I'd be overwhelmed 
the same as I am just driving around empty three tiers. I'm still overwhelmed, you know what I mean? Mm. But in my mind, it seems like, man, I wouldn't have to be scared there. And also, I love walking. I would much rather walk than drive. Like, I hate most <laughs> places in America that you have to drive. And I, I just hate that. I would much rather be in a place where you just kind of walk everywhere. I think that's more ideal. <laughs> uh, Come over to England. And, and the, the, the places around me that are like that, they seem like, okay, everything is infinitely more expensive. Everything mm. is a hassle. Everything you do. And I think it would still be like that. But for some reason, my brain tells me that Japan is like this sort of utopia where like, oh, everything works how it's supposed to and blah, blah, blah. But I guarantee I'd get there and I'd be overwhelmed, especially with the amount of people. <laughs> yeah, but I say it'll be, yeah, the amount of people would be insane. It'd be a very beautiful place to photograph, but it depends. Like, if you want, like, empty... But then again, I guess not, because you can always find that, though. But you can always find this kind of imagery. It's not like it's... It's not there. Yeah. Actually, that'd be... Japan would be super interesting. It'd be... Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting. I'd definitely be a bit cliched, though. I don't know. I kind of almost feel like it would be. And actually, there is a photographer that I'm going to send you that actually does shoot in Japan. And his work is really, really cool. Um uh, actually, there's two. Give me one second. There's another one as well. And that's uh, another fascinating part of it, though. Is you know, I, I see what you're saying about the images from there being cliche, but I just have this sort of, I don't know, maybe like an egotistical sort of thing of like, but I bet mine's won't. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's true though. No, I, I said that. No, you're right. I said that, and they're like, yeah, but it's going to be your perspective though. So it won't be cliche. Yeah, it's yeah. Be your perspective. It's not like you're going to the touristy areas and photographing, you know, like something really touristy. So like you're going. To find the character, you're going to understand the place itself. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Every time I've ever been on a vacation, like with family and stuff, it's like they'll all be taking photos of whatever local thing, and they're all they're all wondering like, why am I not taking a photo of it? And it would mm. kind of add to that feeling. I told you about. It's like I don't think mm. people in my immediate vicinity even consider me a photographer because it's I, like, well, housing a photographer, we went to these mountains and this famous train that everyone snapping he didn't even look at you know because you're interested in different things your your viewpoint as a photographer is very different and that's not a bad thing i think what you really need is you need and this is actually a question i'm going to ask you in a second but you need like a community or people that you can either hang out with or talk to that are within your vicinity that understand the way you kind of view the world because i feel like Sometimes being a photographer or being any kind of creative can be quite lonely if you're surrounded by people who don't understand because it makes you feel like, oh, what am I really doing? Or like, why am I so odd? Because I'm doing something that other people don't really seem to understand. And it can be quite a uh, quite a jarring experience I, I personally have found and also think that a lot of people find. So it can be like you feel like the odd one out. Yeah, exactly. But so I think, at the same time, I, I really kind of strive for that feeling too. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a. It's like I want to be unique, but I want to be loved at the same time. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, do you feel like you're? Do you feel like you're a part of a larger art community? No. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why, but uh, I just don't. Um, a, a lot of it is probably from my own sort of like uh, not really reaching out to a lot of people. I'm starting to get better at it, like I said, through Twitter. 
which is something I've really been focusing on. I don't know if you want to open this whole can of whatever conversation, but that whole NFT world, the whole Web3 world, I'm fascinated mm. by it because that's an introvert's dream, you know? That's an introvert's dream to be able to create stuff and sell it purely digitally. And, you know, like, <laughs> that stuff's really fascinating to me. Um, it's very confusing. Uh, I don't see mm. the value in mm. NFTs. Uh, yeah. but it's something that I am working. You'll never see anything on Instagram from me about, oh, I have this NFT listed on this marketplace or whatever, but it is something I've started to do, uh, mm. because I've just been slowly observing that community. At first I didn't like it because it felt like the community felt false. It felt like a big, uh, for lack of a better term, it felt like a, a big circle jerk. Like mm. you like my stuff and share my stuff and I'll do the same and you buy one of my things, I'll buy one of yours, and then we'll tell everyone that this person just bought my thing, I just bought theirs, and a lot of uh, a lot of marketing sort of things, like false scarcity. False scarcity is one of the number one things I see in our world today. Of You know, you want these shoes, you got to enter a raffle, a raffle for them. Everyone wants to go to this store because there's always a line out the door, you know, mm. with no knowledge of if the thing's good or not, just they only thing you're bombarded with is the scarcity of the thing and the scarcity is totally falsified and that's what i feel a lot of that world is but as i dive deeper i'm like oh no this is the future that is what the art world is period this, this is just a new form of that um and so i'm, I'm slowly starting to kind of become a part of a lot of community over there in that sort of world, but it does feel like a disconnected world, like a different thing. Like Twitter feels like a totally different thing than Instagram or anything else. Um, but I've, I've really been enjoying it uh, lately. I've actually sold so far, I listed my first ever NFT and I sold two of them so far. And oh, it's wow. just unreal to me. Like I'm going to work, I've beat my head over this computer trying to figure like this stuff is so confusing and it feels like the ultimate like um oh all this is confusing for the sake of being confusing you know <laughs> yeah of course no yeah it's, yeah but i go from that feeling to okay i've got my thing listed i've got my little crypto wallet all this stuff i've spent all this time amassing all these followers and putting my work out there and now here's the moment of truth. Let me put my thing out there. I think I did it right, but I'm still not sure. And then I'm at work and so far, all of a sudden, later in the day, it's like, wow, I've made 40 bucks off this hmm. little effort that I put at, in my own home. And it, you know, it's stuff that I created. Like I said, it's hard for me to see the value. Like, yeah, you bought an NFT, a JPEG of my thing. It's like, man, I, I really don't know what value you're getting out of it. But that might be just a generational sort of thing. It's something I'm trying yeah. to understand more. But that sort of feeling is too powerful to me to not pursue. Yeah. Uh, okay. If that makes sense. That does make sense. But that's a good. Yeah. That's a, a very good perspective on it because I don't really know much about NFTs and it's not something I've really dabbled into. <laughs> but like I said, from what I do see, some of the people in that world and that space are so insanely talented. Mm. That's kind of the driving force for me. It's like, oh, this isn't a gimmick. There's something real behind this, like funded by real talent. 
And um, okay. even if it's, even if it's a supplementary, it's something that I'm going to keep looking into and pursuing. Like at the end of the day, why not? It's not going to hurt, is it? At the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. So, what has creating art taught you about yourself? Uh, well, one of the, I think one of the main things it taught me is that progression will come. Hmm. Um, you know, we talk about the instant feedback, all that stuff. Like, I am the type of person that I'll study something religiously, and then I want to feel like I'm all of a sudden the next at it. Like any sort of delayed gratification, delayed whatever is so foreign to me. Like I feel like I can't think too far ahead. I have a really hard time doing that. Like my wife will ask me stuff like, where do you want to be in five years or whatever? Growing up, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always hated all those questions. It's like, hmm. how do I know? You know, um, with art, it's taught me that there is a progression. Um to trust that, you know, if you show up, things will progress, you will learn, you will create things, it will slowly change over time. Um, I, I'd say that's the number one thing, is, um, not, is to not expect an uh, instant result and to just keep showing up and things will come. That's the, probably the number one thing I've learned. That's a great thing to have learned, though. I think that's actually a really positive thing to have learned, though. It, it takes a pressure for you having to be like, oh, I need to have everything now. It's like, well, it might take a year. Mm. Before, that was unfathomable. It was like, a year, then I'm not going to do it. And now it's, it's like, well, what are you going to do besides that? If you don't do it and just sit and wait and be patient, you're just going to be idling, and then 10 years is going to pass by, and you done nothing that has happened to me in the past oh yeah and yeah so when i say it's a great lesson i really mean it's one of the greatest lessons i can learn uh because that totally changes everything it's like okay so it's okay that we didn't start before we've gotten started now and you can see the results that come from it even if it's taken a long time even if it will still take the rest of the time you have here mm. but at least you have you know you have a thing. That's really it. You have a thing. Something something for you. You know. I think patience is such a, a virtue. And I think patience is that you need to really have as a photographer. Because you're right. Like, you're not going to have instant success. And even if you do, that's not necessarily what you want. I feel like we're very much blinded by the idea of like, oh, let's, you know, we want to be successful. We want some money. And it's like, well, you also want to learn. You also want to grow. You also want to understand who you are as an, an artist. It's not just about creating loads of money so quickly. Like for some people it is, but I think people who really feel a calling to be an artist or feeling who people who have a calling to, to, to do art, I think their passion for it goes much more deeper than just the money. So I think patience is something that I think everybody needs to learn in terms of like, you're right. That's a great thing to learn that you will progress. It might take a year. It might take 10 years. It might take your whole life. Uh, any kind of creative endeavor, no matter what it is, is a lifelong pursuit. It's never going to happen within a year or two. It, it's lifelong. Yeah. One of the most inspiring things to me is, like I said, when I was a kid and I read all these skate magazines, all the stories you read about are not the glory of said thing. It's all, oh, remember we were here and this wild thing happened and blah, blah, blah. 
and we had to sleep in the car for the night. Same thing mm-hmm. with stand-up comedians and stuff like that. The thing they reminisce, they reminisce the most on is those sort of struggles. So whenever I feel, like I said, of, oh, my work's just not good. I went out three nights in a row uh, this week, and so far I haven't produced anything. Whenever I feel that, I'm like, oh, look, it, it's happening. I could easily see them talking about this exact same thing, mm. like in hindsight. And, uh, so, so I try to remember that, like, okay, you're, you're living it right now. This is the thing. This bad feeling is not a bad thing. You're going to look back later and be like, man, that was so fun when I was racking my brain over where should I go next? What should I take a picture of? How should I change my style? How should I, how can I reach more people? All that sort of thing that feels miserable in the moment. I, I know that I'm going to look back and be like, man, at least I had something to strive, you know? Absolutely. And that's a really good way of looking at it, actually. So I have a question for you from the last artist I interviewed, um, a lady called Rebecca uh-huh. Youssef. Uh-huh. And her question for you is, if the future of art is more internet-based, where and how will you incorporate into your work? Uh, the NFT space, 100%. Uh, I, I, I can see it now already. You know, so many things are like, it, it literally is just a digital art market, you know? All these hmm. terms that I've not been exposed to, like, uh, okay, a one-on-one, something like that, you know? Um, I can see I can see it in that world where it's going. Uh, and if you just look at any kids around you, how they're, oh, I need to get money from my mom for these new Fortnite skins or whatever, Mm-hmm. And you have that same feeling of like, where's the value in this? It's just a digital pixel thing. Once you see it in this younger generation coming up, especially as they're starting to get creative and start to get into that world, you can kind of see the future a little bit. Like, oh, this is definitely going to be a thing. And I think it'll be a lot more popular in the future of like, okay, I have an auction on this piece. It's one of one. And the winner also gets a, a framed print, like a physical aspect to it, something like that. I, I think that's how it would be in the future. Uh, I think people will have, uh, this is really sad to think about, but I think people will have digital real estate and they'll have their mm. walls. The same thing as right now, you can see it. Uh, yeah. Like a microcosm of it. If you play something like Grand Theft Auto Online or something like, come over to my house, look what I got. Mm. And it's like, yeah. well, this isn't real. It's like, but yes, it is. We're sitting here hanging out, right? We're looking at it. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's why I think it will be in the future. That's cool. That's really interesting. I think that it kind of yeah, that opens up a lot of conversation about stuff like the values of the digital realm and kind of the idea of like what is reality, that kind of stuff. So that's really cool. Actually, I like that perspective. And I think it's kind of interesting in terms of like, particularly with the metaverse as well, and that whole kind of concept of like living outside of yeah. your own reality. I think that's uh, there's a lot of the future in that. I think uh, for for better or for worse. But you can see it even as early as like something like MySpace, even mm-hmm. something as simple as having a song playing on your page. Yeah. It's like, uh, I'm presenting something digitally that says something about me and the things that I like. Sure. Um, and sure. as we become more and more um, internet based, you know, people are going to have the same thing with images, little moving images, whatever. They're going to want to have 
this stuff and they're going to want to display it in their whatever their online sort of presence is like i think it really did kind of start out with you know a myspace page stuff like that you know even earlier fame or whatever you have your username a certain thing it's a digital asset um yeah. and i think images will be that same way i, I want to display it in my thing and now i think there's a way where you actually pay for that artists actually get royalties from that um it's starting to come out of that kind of wild west it's like it's a jpeg it's for everybody da, da, da. well now it's it's starting to become you know uh, an actual thing I, i'm not sure how to explain it like i said i'm still learning about all that stuff myself but in the future i can see that stuff uh you know being huge for all the reasons it's just like. so do you have a question the next artist i interview um yeah I guess my question would just be super simple is how do you deal with just feeling really negative and low sometimes if they do, is there something creatively like a sort of a creative routine that they use to either take advantage of that feeling or to quell that feeling or whatever it may be. I'd be super interested. So, uh, me and a good friend of mine called Randy Haas were talking a while ago about the idea of like, which is more important, the skill of an artist or the personality of an artist? And I was kind of wondering like, what were your thoughts on that? Well, for me right now, my answer would be the skill because I don't put my personality on display hmm. hardly at all. It's one of the things I feel the most uptight about. And uh, like I said, that was what uh, my wife was saying to me and she was telling me, you know, I love your taste in movies, your taste in music. It's different from anyone I've ever met before. I feel like you've shown me so many cool things. And that's one thing I really appreciate about what you do. is because I, I feel like you're like a very, uh, you're like a very uh, top tier sort of version of that. That's something that really interests me as well. I don't know if you've ever seen the YouTube channel, that guy, the Nerd Rider. I have not, no. But he, he does videos like he did one about Gordon Parks, which is another one. He's kind of in my trio of my top three favorite photographers. He did a video about Gordon Parks um, that really blew me away. And he's not a photographer. And he'll do it about books or whatever. And before I was into photography, that was kind of my expression as well, is I want people to see this movie because I want them to feel what I felt. I want to explain to them how it made me feel, what it did for me. And so I would constantly be trying to show that somehow. But right now, I'd say the more important thing is skill. Yeah. But I think it will come a point where um, it's way more important than personality. In terms of like making money and having reach and all that, uh, I, I do think the personality is way more important. But for me, where I'm at right now, I think mm. the skill is the most important thing because I, I don't really even show much of myself. Like if you scroll yeah. through my Instagram, there's probably not even an image of me on there. That, that's not. Yeah. The only image I found of you was on your website. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking to change that. Uh, mm. Slowly but surely. Um, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say in the long run, the personality is more important. But to get noticed, I mean, obviously you need the skill. 
Right. I have three more questions for you, if that's okay. Perfect. So what does it mean to be a successful artist and how do you measure the success of your own work? Uh, well, I can only really speak to my, for myself. Yeah, of course. Like I said, this might change, but to me, what it means to be a successful artist is um, creating art that people like. And also, I think having certain, uh, certain thought process about things and interpretations that are unique that you could share with others. I think that's a big part of it, at least for me. Um, sometimes, like even with us talking now, you know, sometimes I feel like my sort of way of thinking about something, is, you might not have heard it before. It might be Absolutely. slightly different. For and I think that's a huge part of it, you know. Um, and I think when you can kind of start uh, showing people that without having to, sit and ramble about a particular topic or what have you where they can kind of just get that somehow just instantly almost mm -hmm. you know without you kind of having to hold somebody's hand through it it's like you can kind of just look just look you know uh yeah i'd say for me that's the most important part of was the second sort of thing i would just say how do you measure the success of your own work um I measure the success of my own work by just how I feel about it. You know, there's nothing mm. really too deep about it. And there's things that I look at and I'll just scroll right past. I'll probably never care about it again. Uh, and then there's other ones where I'll feel down about myself and I'll go look at certain images. And they might, you know, what's funny is a lot of these images for me, they don't seem to be like my most popular or anything like that. But there's just certain ones that I know the story behind it. Um, yeah. And when I look at it, I'm like, man, the fact that, because I can still remember getting into photography and like going downtown and walking around and not getting a single usable image. image. And then there's certain images that I've taken that I look at and I, I compare it to that exact feeling. I was like, who would have thought that you went from taking these images and and feeling so bad about things and now you're taking stuff like this and i'll look at it and i'll just you know it'll make me feel really good like wow there actually has been a lot of progress uh, oh yeah and it'll make me feel proud yeah absolutely as it should like honestly as it yeah. should like as it should so what do you think your younger self would say about your work uh i think i think <laughs> I think my younger self would just be like, this is so cool. Like, especially when I look at this image to this song or whatever, like, this is exactly how I think about things, you know? Hmm. Be like, you know, I don't know if my younger self would know it was me or, or what, but I think yeah. they'd be like, wow, this is exactly how I see things, you know? Like, I can just imagine this being a scene in a movie or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think my younger self would be happy. I think my younger self would be uh, proud of it and would think that it was pretty cool. See, that's perfect. And I feel like your older self should also be proud of it. I think it's very cool because no, it is I, something I, to be I, proud of. <laughs> I hope you are because yeah. it is something to be proud of. And I mean that very honestly. Like, it's something to be very proud of. Um, and I feel like you're very underrated as a photographer. And I feel like the great thing is you have so much potential. And, you know, you've got the time to grow, which is the best thing. 
So my last question for you is a double barrel question, but the last question is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Well, I'm currently working, I'm currently working on trying to make fake photos work. It's in very early stages now. I've kind of like done a few like mock covers. Hmm. Very simple subject matter. You know, it's just simply vehicles at night. You know? Yeah, absolutely. About as straightforward as I could make it. Absolutely. Because, like I said, when, whenever I think of making something like that, uh, like we talked about earlier, my mind immediately jumps to all the hurdles and all the hmm. reasons why I can't do it. And, and it has to be this special thing that has this certain meaning to it and so i'm trying to tell my brain no just make it just make it simple make it whatever you know there doesn't have to be some fancy name to it that's a euphemism for your soul or whatever like literally yeah. it's just vehicles at night you know this, yeah. this is just interesting thing. so that's that's kind of my my new year's resolution is to make that and i don't know if it would be physical digital if i'll sell it or not but it's just something i want to do to start learning those sort of processes and, and all that it's something i would like to have I'd like to be yeah. able to give somebody family members stuff like that like here's this cool little thing i made it's something that i made you know that's super cool and uh, where can people find more about you and your work online you can find me on instagram it's just McCurdy.photography. And my website is the same name, McCurdy.photography. There's no .com or any of that. But it's funny. I thought it was such a clever name, but a lot of times, like, if I link it to someone, I get the sense they don't know what I'm sending them. It's not <laughs> a traditional yeah, URL, of course. you know? <laughs> yeah, that's why. But, but in the long run, I think, I think it would be good. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Yep, have a great time. Thank you for having me. No worries, honestly, I really appreciate it. That concludes my conversation with Christopher McCurdy. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or on social media sites such as Twitter and Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast is available on several platforms such as Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music. If you like the show, please rate, review, share, and subscribe on any of the platforms to help us spread the word. Also, please don't forget to check out theflyingfruitball.co.uk for daily inspiration. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. The Flying Fruit Bowl also has a Patreon page. If you'd like to support the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page. Tears out from one pound, and you can find more about rewards over at patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit pot. Additionally, if you're not interested in the donations, we also have a PayPal for a one time donation. I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today, folks, and until next time, please stay safe.